Good afternoon and welcome to the Power Up Show. You with Mia and Paul asking you, as always, how can we take your business to the next level? Paul, what's on the agenda today? Oh, good afternoon, Mia. Good afternoon, everybody. And it's great to be back again. A um, bit miserable outside today, isn't it, really? Um, <laughs> just lastly. So, yeah, we're just a uh, bit drenched on, on the way in. Yeah, but um, we can't complain because it's finally cooled down after yes. what feels like forever of yes, hot air. Yes, that's so right. Hot, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Although I do happy. believe there is a hot weekend coming up. Oh, but, stop uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, for your uh, cheese lunchtime today on the, on the show, today with, with Parrot with me and Paul. Um, first of all, um, we've got some Q&A with Difference today. So we've got some yeah. live questions um, from some, uh, some Year two, 12 students from a local school who will be um, providing us with some live questions today. So nothing like having the people answering <laughs> questions right in front of us. So uh, no pressure on us at all for that <laughs> yeah. one today. Um, and then we have a fabulous guest coming in today. We have Terence Cam, who is um, an absolute cybersecurity guru and expert, who will be coming in to, to share his vast knowledge today. So we're really looking forward to that and and it's on time because as i was saying to terence off studio my website is currently under attack now and my husband is determined to let them continue to attack but we knew that so i'd love to get his input on how people know that they've been attacked and and hacked yeah, it scares me i have to say <laughs> uh, so uh, and then uh, before we end the show today well, as always we'll have julie and ann from pick and mix coming in to talk about their show today so um that's a packed gender we've got uh, for this lunchtime and you're back with Mia and Paul on the Power Up Show. And Paul, as you said, we've got three very special young men in studio with us today. I'm going to say, ask you what their names are. <laughs> no, I'm going to ask you that question, Mia, given what I just said off earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, we, so uh, these three, uh, these three young men come from uh, Muirfield uh, High School, which isn't somewhere in, in Scotland. Apparently, they haven't travelled uh, that far, um, despite what the emblem is on their shirts. And um, yeah, they're, they're basically. From is it a Scottish the, emblem on your yeah, shirt? It's a, it's a, it's a, a Scottish thistle. thistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a thistle. Yeah. I've just seen it now. Yeah, we have some cultural education for Mia on a Tuesday lunchtime. Yes, um, but I didn't have a, quite a good look at their chest, so <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a good call on my side. So, so yes, we have three young gentlemen from Muirfield, as Paul said. We have got Chris, Michael, and I laugh because I've been calling Michael Matthew for the last two days. Michael, and we have Isaac with us. Um, 17 year olds, all three of you? Yeah. Yeah, and our listeners on the radio station would have probably heard you over the last few shows already, and yeah. we'll be hearing more of you for the rest of the week. The idea being that you come to the studio, you spend time with us in a workplacement environment, learn a little bit about what's happening, but today. You get to sit with Paul and I and have a little discussion about the future and what some of the concerns are as teenagers leaving school and going out into the big scary wide world. Mm, I, I just actually have one other thing to say as well, actually, if you don't mind. I think uh, one thing I would say as well is that uh, these three gentlemen have done a great job in terms of helping set us up for the show today as well. Oh, um, yes, 100%. So, um, uh, and just putting quietly. My, putting my technological capabilities to shame in the process. Paul, how many shows have you done with me so far? Mm, I'll pass on that question if you don't mind. All right, let me rephrase the question. How many shows have you programmed? Um, probably not many. Um, <laughs> let me help you here. Zero. Something between zero and one, I believe. <laughs> And the boys programmed what? In about 10 minutes, you, t you three had figured it out pretty quickly? Yeah. I mean, I'm not having a dig at Paul, but oh, is you it? know, snap your game. <laughs> <laughs> and the music is compliments of uh, these three young gentlemen too. So I take zero responsibility and Paul is jumping up and down ecstatic. Yes, about I'm very happy with the choices today. All right. So you two, you three have some questions for us. Who would like to go first? Yeah, don't point. We're on radio. <laughs> so, so the point, the point seem I think was towards Michael. If I yeah, remember, yeah, Michael, let's I, go. I believe so too. Now, my question is about time management. Mm -hmm, what's your question? So, uh, I think with uh, young people in our society, don't have a grip on time management very well because they 
uh, they, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They demonstrate it in school a lot by assignments and all this other sort of things that they can't grip. Mm -hmm. So, like, my question is, how do you get, like, a grip of time management when you're older? And it's got to do, I suppose, and Paul, you can answer Mm. this question, but it's got to do with the fact that it appears to you from your perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, that school seems to give you unrealistic uh, projects to do in a very limited time frame. And getting on top of that is just a bit overwhelming. And then that overwhelming feeling and sensation starts to lead to other feelings and experiences, including depression and what have you. And it's all stemming from the original question about time management. Paul, what is your uh, take on time management? Yeah, look, I think um, it's, it's very interesting in terms of the way you frame that question as well, because I think um, you're right, in, in school you have a structure around you, um, whereas I guess in, out in the workplace um, that structure is is suddenly removed from you. Um, I think the first thing I'd start with is, is thinking about what currently works for you. So is there anything that currently works for you um, in the education environment that you could then transfer when you're in the workplace? Now, that may not be something you might know now. That might be something you have to figure out in time. Um, the other thing I'd say, um, and, and I only think about in terms of what I see work for, for other people, is that I think that um, you know technology can sometimes um, certainly helps me because I wouldn't say that time management is one of my um, key strengths. Um, but where how I've managed to overcome that is, uh, is to use um, various technology to try and help me. And that can be things that are incredibly straightforward and simple, like even just using um, a calendar in my, my phone um, that, that I use to try and help me with various mm. reminders. Actually, that's a good point. So I'm going to jump in there. Mm. Do you need to do, do you do a lot of um, projects where it's written projects or typed projects? Yeah. yeah? I have an essay due this week as well. So ah. <laughs> have you heard of a pro- program called otter.ai? No, I haven't. No, okay. So what Otto AI is, dot AI, ooh, I don't know, I'm supposed to share this with teenagers? What the hell? Otto AI is a program where you actually speak and it starts to transcribe as you speak. You train it to, so you'll train it. So you've got a project due, you probably know a little bit about what it's got to start, what you want to say, right? So exactly as we're talking now, you'll go ahead and speak into your phone and it'll start to transcribe it for you. So by the time you're finished... Really, what do you call it when you're dictating your essay? You can go back, give it once over, read, and just fix it up. But again, when we talk about time management, it's asking that question, what is your time currently being taken up with? And I get that six hours of school. So when you get home, the last thing you want to do is sit and do more schoolwork, right? Mm -hmm. So it's what is that break? How long do you actually need to unwind? How much sleep do you need? And what time do your family want to spend with you? And then how are you getting that time in? And when you are sitting and concentrating, how concentrated are you? Are you distracted because you want to go back and play a game? Because if you are distracted, something that could potentially take you 30 minutes may very well take you two or three hours. So it's maybe just putting away 30 minutes where you say, I know this project's going to take me three hours to do, but if I just give myself 30 minutes and I'm just focused and then I can go back and play my game, you'll probably find you're getting a lot more work done. Also, I also think that like most kids, because they like playing their games and not really doing their projects, they all have like that last minute thing to do it. So it's due on Friday, but they do it on Thursday. Yeah, correct. And, and you get overwhelmed. And and here's here's the reality, Paul. You'll agree with me. In the business world, time management. I can honestly tell you that uh, top CEOs are probably the best at time management. But then these guys have got multi-billion-dollar businesses. 
The rest of the world, I think many of us struggle with time management. So mm. moving out of school, you're moving into really good company. Nothing, We're all there. It's, no, it's nothing new because I think in, in terms of leaving things to the last minute because of other distractions, oh. that was uh, that was a that was around even as long ago as when I was oh, yeah. in the. Uh, yeah, we didn't school. have computers, but let me tell you, I could sew at a button. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, look, certainly I think I mean, the only other thing I was going to add as well, which may be useful, is um, and I always think about this: if you is somebody that you know that's actually particularly good. Um, someone you see that you think actually I think they're really good at time management is um, I would encourage you to talk to them um, and look there may be some tips they can share and, mm. and look but from your peer group so there's no point going to mum and saying geez mum you do all of this in a day how do you manage it no, parents it really could be going that. to someone like young Isaac next to you who may be very good at a certain topic and I might be saying to him Isaac how do you get across this how are you getting it done? But it's a great question, and as you move and transition into the workforce, that question is going to be staying with you nearly every single day. How do I get on top of my time? Yeah. Mm. Um, we'll go to the next question, then we'll go to a break quickly. Uh, who wants to go next? You go, Isaac. Isaac's next. <laughs> Isaac. Um, so I want to know how you can break into, like, the art industry because I want to draw characters for like game companies and all that mm -hmm. and I just want to know how I can get my name out there that's 3D design yeah uh, well that's part of uh, drawing characters but it's like a mix so basically you want to just getting your name out to potential future employees yep what are you currently doing well I'm currently just trying to uh, perfect my art really just mm -hmm. doing a lot of drawings and training but sometimes I also uh, get unmotivated I also want to know how I can keep my, you know, my drive going. Oh, Jesus, is he talking about my life or his life? <laughs> <laughs> so, very first thing I want to say to all three of you, and it's something to learn very early, guess what? Good enough is good enough. If you're going to wait to perfect things, you're going to be waiting forever because there's no such things as perfection. And as your standards start to increase, guess what? Or your standards start to rise, that perfection that you were driving towards, you're never going to get there. Mm. So, my advice around what you're doing is what are those formats that you can start putting that content out so when you say you're designing something are you recording the process of design and then maybe making a youtube video to show people how you designed it and speaking people through how you designed it start to create that kind of content start to show the range of what you can do and then from there you start to do strategies like sending it off and connecting LinkedIn is a great place to do this but link, linking and connecting with people in the industry that you want to be mm. around that you want to mm. be like in fact who would you know finding who currently does it what industries they're in start following them on social media yep. see what they're doing and then just when you do something go ahead and tag them they might ignore it but one day they might see it and they go who's this Isaac fellow and they're going to start following what you do so just put content out there and guess what you're 17 Oh, okay. So you got more time than Paul and I. Well, more. <laughs> you know where I want to go with yeah, that. Yeah, I know you're going with that one. Yeah. <laughs> but you're 17, and after yeah. school you're going to go to TAFE. Mm -hmm. um, so you got plenty of time to start building that. But start putting content out there. Don't wait to be perfect. So mm -hmm. don't say I'm trying to perfect my art. There's no such thing as perfect. Good enough is mm -hmm. good enough for now. And as you progress potential employees will actually see how far you've come and that plays in your favour too. Mm. And in terms of motivation, such a difficult question, motivation. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think let's have a quick break. We'll come back and we'll address motivation. Then we'll go to Chris and ask his question and then we're going to get Terence in the studio. Cool. You're listening to a live 90.5 with Mia and Paul. Before we left off, we were talking to Isaac about motivation and how to maintain your motivation and again another old, old, age old question and I think the questions that these young gentlemen are asking us 
while unique to the situation of being in school, is very much problems you're going to have in the, the real world anyway. Um, and my advice and motivation is, you know what, today's another day, you're going to stuff it up. But when you wake up tomorrow, you have another opportunity to either get it right or stuff it up. And if you stuff it up, guess what? You can wake up the next day and give it a go again. How does that sound for motivation? Just keep on plugging on. <laughs> keep going. Resilience, perseverance. Keep going. All right, we're going to quickly go to Chris and then we're going to get Terence on after the break. So, oh Chris, my goodness, and we've got Sweet Caroline coming up soon with Neil Diamond. Compliments of three 17 year olds. No, I was like, you know we're what we're going to be Fantastic <laughs> music taste, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yes, your question. Um, how do you start a business and get known through uh, other companies and other people, I guess? Mm. Do you want mm. to go with that or you want me to There's go probably with various ways of doing it. Oh, I, I don't mind kicking, kicking off with this. I think that, um, I, I think... Uh, First of all, can we acknowledge the fact that a 17-year-old is asking the question, how do I start my I own know, business? I know, it's, uh, so it, 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 I know. So let's just acknowledge that. That's fantastic. It is fantastic because I'm thinking about, uh, you know, nothing, uh, something, certainly something I wouldn't have thought no. of. No. Um, to me, it was always a case of um, I'm going to find a job but I'm going to stay yeah. in it for um, until, I, until I retire. Until I die. So it and, and, and genuinely, no, <laughs> and genuinely, my first employment contract uh, when I first started they talked about um, and the guy I have to say the guys are forward about laughing here in the yeah. show hear about this. Um, uh, if I call myself an old fart talking about when he was uh, when he was um, in his retire, t- yep. teenagers and, and I was going to go on my first employment contract and, I, and my, my full intention was to stay there until I, until I retired yeah. and they had a policy of uh, I think it was like 40 years maximum service um, so um, yes, I would have been well on my way by now that's right and it's a great question <laughs> but it's a great um, question but yeah in terms of start, starting a business I think. Um, do you know? Do you know what the logo? Sorry, do you know what the logo for for Nike is, Chris? Yeah, it's a tech. No, what's the logo for Nike? What What is the the, the, <laughs> the, slur, the catchphrase for Nike? Oh, just do it. Oh, there you go. You want to start your own business? Just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's actually, actually starting your own business just isn't. Um, you know, from a uh, from an administrative perspective, isn't a hard thing to do. Um, it's about having the right kind of ideas about you know, about what you want to do, um, and then I think you're already coming on to one of the key points in terms of not just what you want to do. It's about how you get known as well, um, and how you get known. Um, I mean, it probably there's a whole heap of different ways about getting known. I certainly think that uh, connecting with people um, is a is a great place to um, to start networking with the right people, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and 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 getting yourself out there really is uh, is, is one of the keys to um, to making sure that after starting the business, um, that you've got the ability to, um, to to move forward. And there's some great support around yeah. uh, for small business that wasn't around years ago, um, whether that be locally here in the um, the, the Hills area or uh, you're even just within the greater area of Sydney. Things like the Sydney Startup Hub, yeah, are that, great correct. And um, there's a new networking group. For 17 to 30 year olds, if you go into the Hillshire uh, website, and it's called YOLO, I think, or something like that. Hills, no, that wouldn't be youth, youth organisation, something like that. But it's actually a youth networking event. Now, interestingly enough, um, one of the things you can do is do a search and see in the area: are there game developers? Are there app developers? And reach out to them. Hey, I'm 17 year old, 17 years old. I want to learn. Can I come shadow you for a couple of days during school holidays? Yeah. If you don't ask, you're not going to get an answer. If you do ask, you know, I do the whole thing. My son's 10 and I do this with him. What's the best, the worst, and the most likely thing that's going to happen? Yeah. The best thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, awesome, come along, very excited to see you, and might even get a paid internship. The worst that's going to happen, no, 
stop wasting my time. Yeah. What's most likely going to happen? That's fantastic. Come for a day, see how we go, and let's talk a little bit later. Mm. But you've got to put yourself out there. Unfortunately, as we all know, business doesn't fall on our doorstep. But at the age of 17, asking us a question, how do I start my own business? But it's um, but it's important because um, I think the way that the um, the, the economy is going, um, that's the likely. I mean, one of the things I know, even when my son was uh, just gone into uh, to year seven, but when he was in primary school in, in year six, they actually had someone that come in and talk to him about not thinking about what job you want to do. It's thinking about what skills you want to develop because yeah. jobs are just going to change and transform mm. in your lifetime. Um, and uh, and the great thing of what you're saying there is that um, you know you you realise that already, and it's about well, how can you be in control of your own destiny um, rather than you know be a a number on a payroll somewhere Mm, beautiful but in saying that we do have connections in game and app development so you know we can connect you too yeah absolutely you're listening to a live 90.5 with me and paul this is power up and uh after the break we will be coming back with our guest terence cam paul how amazing were those three young gentlemen they were fantastic, really, really good, and um, some great insight, and, uh, and good to hear where their minds are already at such a young mm. age. But let's move on from them. Tell us a little bit about our wonderful guest today. I will indeed, yes. So today with us in the studio, we have uh, Terence Cam. Terence is a uh, cybersecurity expert. I like to call him a guru. Yeah, I like guru Um, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think guru is a good way of um, describing cybersecurity. I have to say it's uh, um, one of my previous corporate roles. I looked after an IT area and uh, something which uh, IT security has evolved and developed a lot um, in in, in sort of like about the last seven or eight years since I left. And, and Terence authored a book called uh, Digital Security and Privacy for Dummies, which we're going to go through with everybody. But, you know, what we deem and, and, and see as what cybersecurity is from back when you started mm. before computers were ever invented <laughs> <laughs> compared to where we are today. <laughs> true, true, yes. But, yeah, it has. The scope has changed absolutely dramatically. Absolutely right, absolutely right. And cybersecurity certainly is a, is a very hot topic and has been for a while. I I just uh, I remember um, uh, descriptions of uh, first hi- trying to hire a, a cybersecurity person in, in a corporate, and uh, some expressions like, like that we got to hire some cybermen was uh, was was coming out. So. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's almost like a standard. If you don't it have is, some right. cybersecurity somewhere in your organisation, well, you're just waiting to be attacked, right? Absolutely right, absolutely. So, so um, welcome, Terence. After welcome, all of that, yes, welcome, Terence. Good to have you with us today. <laughs> the cybersecurity guru. Hi. Now, Terence, mm-hmm. we like to play a little game with our guests just so that you you know become really relaxed and we bag paul a lot i mean sorry did i say that a lot (laughs) i do believe you said that without the mute button (laughs) whoops all right so today we're going to do a a war history trivia question and i made it really easy for you two gentlemen it's actually history for kids so paul you stand a chance we'll see and in fact (laughs) there might even be some stuff here from when you were a kid (laughs) (laughs) i joke Okay, so <laughs> so we're going to use your name as your buzzer. If you know okay. the answer, just yell your name. And uh, Paul, what's the score so far? Um, I think I might have clocked up one. Was it fifty-seven-one? Yeah, well, I think we had five-one because we did have to cancel you out and start <laughs> your game. So five-one to our guests. No, no pressure, Terence, but feel free to mop the floor with Paul. We're <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you gentlemen ready? Ready, okay, ready. All right. Which country did Germany invade? First in World War Two. Terence. Yes. Poland. Beautiful. The Trojan War occurred between 1200 and 1100 BC. Who was the famous hero of this war who had every part of his body vulnerable but his heel? 
Yeah, anybody? Anybody? Achilles. Achilles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another Achilles said, yeah, was going, in the question. Yeah, correct. Oh. September 1st, 1939 is a very important day in world history. Why is it so crucial? Oh. No? No, anybody? Terrence. Yes. yes. Did, didn't hear me. I said Paul. <laughs> oh, Paul, go. <laughs> was it the start of World War Two? Yes. Yeah, it's the start of World War II in Europe. Um, uh, in, in Asia, it started earlier, I think in March uh, 1937. Is that one point each, Mia? Uh, mm. Yes, I'll give you one point each because, I don't know, I'm allowed to give you half a point or are you going to call <laughs> it unfair and then? <laughs> All right, one point each. Good job, Paul. Uh, what was the name of the meeting in which Winston Churchill, Franklin Roosevelt and Joseph Stalin met to discuss the war? Terence, um, it's somewhere at a place called Yelta. Yes, and that's exactly what and, it was called. <laughs> and they, they, yeah, so they meet up, I think somewhere in Iran, where they met, met together and discussed what to do after the, at the end of the war. 100%. It was the Yalta conference and the three leaders met three times during the war to discuss it. Mm. This was the second time that they had met and they were mostly trying to establish an agenda for governing post-war Germany. Some mm. of us learned history in school. Okay, the last question. Paul, I don't know. yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, can tie this. You can tie this, and I can make up some really bad one. <laughs> when did Hitler attack Poland? Terence. Yes. First of September, nineteen thirty-nine. <laughs> and, and I think it's around four or five a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Central we, European time. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and twelve hours, we we'll get to Australia. <laughs> Great job, Terence. Well, Fantastic. that was so. That makes it five five one to our guests. <laughs> <laughs> you have done us proud. I'm happy with 5-1 given it should be 6-1, Mia. Oh, so, okay, 6-1 it is. Sorry, my mistake. <laughs> when we come back after the break, Terence, we're going to start talking a little bit about cybersecurity. And I want to go through your book because there's a lot of fantastic information in here that I think many of us don't even realise. And I want to talk to you about an attack that's currently happening on my website um, okay. and just get a little bit of a perspective from you. You're listening to Alive 90.5 with me and Paul and our guest today, Terence Cap. And we are back with Terence. So we were just having a quick discussion off air on where's the best place to start with cybersecurity because it is such a big, big beast, in my opinion. Because where do you start, uh, Terence? What are the top three that you would suggest? Yeah, um, I mean, one of the um, biggest reasons for cybersecurity breach is um, passwords. Uh, I mean, it's disappointing to see that, you know, 30, 40 years ago when, when the internet start began, we used passwords to authenticate. And 30, 40 years today, we are still using passwords. Mm. Let's talk about passwords mm. because my husband, hey, sweetheart, if you're listening to this, um, my, my husband is a little bit anal about passwords. We have, you know, it's got to be a minimum of 12 uh, letters. And when I say letters, it's got to be uppercase and lowercase and special mm. characters and numbers. And there's just absolutely no way on God's green earth that I'm ever going to remember this password. Mm. Um, you know, can't I just go back to having my kid's name, his birth date, the date I was married, my husband's surname? I mean, why can't I just go with something like that? That seems really complicated if you don't mm. know me. Yeah. See, the reason is because, um, you know, hackers have already hacked, obtained uh, billions of passwords. You know, there's data breach every every day. So they have time to work out how, you know, you and I come up with passwords. And any every trick that you can think of in transposition, substitution, you know, uh, swapping characters, you know, keywords, any trick that you think of, hackers know about that. And the scary thing is they've, they've automated 
the, the guessing of passwords, you know. So I think uh, in my book, it says back in 2012, uh, with 25 computer cluster, you know, hackers can try out the 300 billion combinations per second. Holy dooly. Wow. 300 But billion. I mean, in saying that, so they've got 300 billion attempts to get my password. They mm. don't know me. They don't know who I'm married to. They don't mm. know when my husband's birthday is. They don't know when my wedding anniversary is. How are they getting that information? Yeah. So so um, they, they don't need to know information. For example, you know, um, a lot of people um, say, okay, I'm a mommy of three kids, for example. Um, so some, then you do some substitution, transposition and everything. And hackers um, have already seen it all. They put in a database or a, a hacking software to, and they know, you know, what kind of uh, password they come off. And the thing is, a lot of people think that the part, their own password is weird and unique, but actually it's not, you know. Um, last week, um, there's this weird passwords, you know, um, that uh, surprising thousands of people have come up with. Let me guess, it's password one. Oh, not possible. Some <laughs> some kind of a weird um, JK number is really weird and unique. And but, um, the person who come up with it will think that, oh, my password is weird and unique. No one in this entire world will come up with this same password. Unfortunately, that's not true. You know, that thousands of people came up with exactly that same weird passwords. That's so, amazing. And how many people, sorry, Paul, I'm jumping. Okay, you go first, Paul. Uh, and I guess we're just going back to, to what Terence said in terms of when the internet was first invented. It's a shame that we had something like passwords, which were our, uh, the way that we got in. And and can you, I mean, I guess maybe you might take it in a different direction, but can you see that there are any obvious solutions to this problem out there at the moment? Yeah, um, there are a lot of solutions. Um, there, there are quite a few. Um, I've like, uh, there's this guy, Steve Gibson, his solution is called Squirrel, SQRL. It's so easy to use. All those just take a phone and, and snap on a QR code, you're in. Mm. And it does really complicated, you know, cryptographic. Sorry, let's just take a step back. So you said a QR code? Yes. So, so you, let's say you want to log into a website. The website will display a QR code. You take a smartphone, snap That's on that it. That's that square thing that yeah. looks like I'm sitting in a psychiatrist's office and I need yeah. to say, oh, look, it's the butterfly flying yeah. around with a pig in its butt. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. That's right. That, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Right? That's a QR so code. Okay. a QR code. So, um, so beneath this Q, this simple action of snapping a QR code, there's a very complicated, um, you know, challenge response cryptographic protocol that goes behind the scene. So there, there are, you know, solutions. Like Google, for example, has got a hardware they call them the, the FIDO FIDO compliant hardware where you physically plug into the the, the USB port on your computer, and this hardware device will do the the authentication. So the problem is um, why com- why why. why Password is still so widespread, and the reason is because it's so easy to understand. Mm, like, mm. if my great grandmother is alive today, she will understand passwords. Mm, mm, I suppose mm. we pr- we train with it because yeah. I mean we got our bank card, mm. and what are we doing with our bank card? We call it a pin number, but it's mm. it's not. It's a password. It's a passcode. Yeah. And we've got mm. our phones, and we know we've got to put a pin code in there, and yeah. that's really our password. And I see that Microsoft when I log into Microsoft now, it's no longer actually asking me for my pin my password. It's actually saying pin code. Mm. So we're trained to think about it. But, I mean, I know that my husband, uh, and we're going back a few years ago, mm-hmm. to prove a point, mm-hmm. he he said to somebody, you need to change your passwords. He had that discussion about passwords. Mm-hmm. And they were convinced that their password was unhackable. Mm-hmm. And to prove a point, my, my husband actually asked her three questions. Mm-hmm. And in those three questions, in the space of six minutes, because we timed him, and he made the substitutions as you spoke about, mm-hmm. he hacked into her account. Mm-hmm. And then he said to her, is your bank details the same as what I've just done here? And this woman turned white. She was completely surprised and shocked. 
Mm. And she then said, but how would you know that otherwise? And, you know, again, going mm. onto Facebook, you just wished your daughter happy birthday on this date. Mm. Um, looking at her, you said she's 12 years old. Happy birthday. I can do the maths. Took it back to the year she was born. And he started fiddling around with that. And boom, that was one person got in. And by her admission, he would have accessed her bank account because the password was the same. How many people are still living in this world? I'm looking at Paul. How many people are still living in this world, Paul, with a password that if we know enough about you, we're going to hack your password? Would you say you're one of those people? I ask because I'm looking for his bank details. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that um, I think what's interesting there is that I mean, there's certainly some uh, there are some uh, you know I haven't got thousands of bank accounts, but one of my bank accounts <laughs> that's uh, that has a second um, step of, of authorization, um, and it's actually my UK bank account that has a um, like a device. Um, I have to put my card in, and then there's a uh, I then put a pin and then there is a random number that's generated and I know that similar for um, there's a couple of other things where I have to um, so use two point a, a second yeah, that's a good point Terence how and, and we'll quickly end uh, actually let's because I want to come back on two point authentication because I think a lot of people don't realise I mean in your opinion do people know that there's that two point authentication are they becoming more educated on it yeah I think more and more people um, get to know about two factor authentication um, it's just that it's um, it's a usability issue you know because you want to come with two factor authentication you need to um you know um you know register for it you know get mm-hmm. a app install the app and then and snap the qr code again you know so, so people are putting in the two hard basket yeah so mm-hmm. it's always the usability problem mm-hmm. uh, so like passwords you know it's easy to understand even my grandmother understand passwords <laughs> um <laughs> but it's really not secure anymore um it should be face out actually sure okay well we'll come back and talk about it further in a moment if, you, if that's okay terence you're listening to a live 90.5 with Mia and paul and our guest today terence cam we're joined today with Terence Cam, the author of Digital Security and Privacy for Dummies. And we will be giving this book away, even though I have been reading it and uh, my deepest apologies. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was always supposed to be a giveaway. But <laughs> it's it's going to be a, a pre-loved giveaway. Yeah, it's a pre-loved one. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just you know, had a quick flick through it as one does and then I got absorbed into it and my husband got absorbed into it. So it, And now you've got to finish it under your husband's instructions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, correct. But this is a giveaway, so we'll talk about how to get that book later. Paul, when we left off, you we're talking a little bit about two-factor authentication, mm. so let's continue that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think we were just talking about uh, is two-factor authentication um, the answer to the password mm-hmm. problem, Terence? Yeah. So two-factor authentication is um, okay. So we all know that password is not secure. So cybersecurity experts says um, to be secure, you need three. I'm sorry, did you just say my password is not secure anymore? Um, passwords in general. Oh, geez, Pass- that makes me that makes me feel even less better <laughs> than we did two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah so, so, in other, so in other words, whatever yeah. you make your password, you're not yeah, safe. Yeah, it's not yeah. safe. So password in, in general is not secure. So cybersecurity experts say that to increase security, um, we need to have two out of three items. Okay, so the three items are something you know, which is the password, mm-hmm. something you have, uh, which is, you know, it could be a YubiKey, it could be your smartphone and, you know, some, some, some keypad. <laughs> or something you are, so which is maybe your iris scan, your thumbprint, your facial recognition, and all this. So what happens is when, when you log into, let's say, a Google website with two-factor authentication, usually you have to, first you have to enter your password. Mm. And then um, the second factor is something you have. So it could be you know an SMS message, 
or an, a, so it's an a, external thing. It's not something, something that you have control over that you yeah. can now come up with an even more ludicrous, you know, your yeah. your firstborn's, you know, birth mm. date. And then because you need a second one, you then go ahead and put your secondborn's birth date in there too. So yeah. it's an external thing. It's an external um, like device, you know, some, something external to you. So so what, what happened is um, initially they started with SMS because, you know, um, SMS is easy to implement. So if you can receive a text message, you've proven that you have possession of a physical phone. Um, even then, uh, text message is no longer secure. And yeah, which is it's interesting you say that, Terence, and it's not a topic I want to get into today. Mm. And it might be something that we, we come back and we have a discussion about mm. it. But you actually, I mean, we read about a case and it was mm. in the local newspaper in Kellyville. Um, mm. Maybe Kellyville Ridge might have been your side of the world, Paul. But a case of someone who honestly thought mm -hmm. that there was there was no problem with what was happening, and somebody had somehow cloned her phone, mm. and the SMSs when she logged into her bank with that two-factor authentication, they got the text message, and they were mm. able to get in there mm. and grab all her information. Well, grab her money, forget anything else. Yeah, so um, that's um, what they call the SIM card porting, SIM SIM porting or phone number po okay. phone number yeah, porting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, see. What happened is okay. What happened is uh, my my I have a friend. She she um, um she wants to port her phone number from an old iPhone 4s Vodafone to to an iPhone SE. Um, amazing. So what I did was I it was a, I was helping her. So um so the long story short is within 15 minutes I just went to the amazing website and with just minimal personal information just her address her name so you were birth. able to do that yourself yeah so I was helping her yeah 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 so I was thinking you know if it's easy for me to do it yeah. to help my friend in front of her what about hackers you know if mm. hackers have your phone number your driver's license number or your address or a date of birth and they just feel personal information they can easily port your number from one provider to another. Holy um, th this, this is one, one thing that can happen. So then that, that basically takes that two-point authentication, that second factor authentication, yeah. it blows it out the window because yeah. I've got my password. The text message that was supposed to be sent to me, somebody's now hacked my phone, so I've yeah. lost that, that text message. So what's the third option? So the third option is, um, is a hard, hardware device. So, for example, um, Google has an app called Google Authenticator and Microsoft has an app called Microsoft Authenticator. So what happens is when you set up an account, um, they'll display a QR code. and you get, get So you use the app to snap the QR code. And this QR code will generate a six-digit pin um, every 30 seconds, a unique six-digit pin. So you actually, you know, um, so it bypass SMS. There's no SMS. So when you log in with a password and then the next step is, okay, please enter the six-digit pin or the six-digit, um, you know, pin from, from your app, from the Google Authenticator app. And so you take, take your smartphone, launch the app and you produce six-digit pin which you enter. And this six-digit pin changes um, every 30, 30 seconds. seconds. Mm -hmm. Every 30 seconds. So this is the next best, um, you know, um, alter alternative. Uh, the most secure alternative would be, you know, what called a YubiKey. It's a physical hardware. Um, you know, it's hardware that is... I got a YubiKey. Yeah. Compliments to my husband, but let's pretend it was my great idea. Yeah. <laughs> So, so YubiKey is is a device where where you physically you know insert to the uh, to USB port of your computer, and let's say, but if you let's say you have a smartphone, um, there's a there's no USB mm -hmm. port on smartphones. Yeah, so, so yeah. some of them have what they call a uh, some YubiKey has what they call a NFC reader, so near field communication. So it's it's a hardware where you put it um, 
uh, at the back of a smartphone, and that device will talk to the smartphone no, and don't prove. Have that. <laughs> yeah. So, so this this is a hardware uh, hardware device. Um, you know, some banks, I know Rubble Bank, there you have a numeric keypad. You know where you. Yeah, a lot of business uh, accounts with banks have that numeric pin code. It does mm-hmm. exactly the same thing. It regenerates a number every thirty seconds. Yeah. So what you're saying to us, Terence, is whatever your password is, whether you've got the safest, most secure password in the world that's going to take 25 million centuries to to break into, or whether you've got Terence Cam at Hills District, which they can get really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter. You, you should have a second point authentication that's a hard device yeah. that somebody unless they've physically mm. taken it off of you mm. there's absolutely no way they're going to get into it. a closed would you call it a closed a circuit? close closed system you know separate yeah, okay. hub you know separate system mm. yeah yeah okay well that's that's interesting and i think there's quite a few listeners going right now thinking holy dooly not only is my password absolutely breakable because it is mm. you know my my i don't know anniversary or my birthday my kid's birthday um mm. But where else have I exposed myself? And and, and the reality is, Terence, you would know this. How many people's bank passwords are kids' names mm, or husbands' yeah. names mm, or mm. special anniversary dates or whatever the case is? Mm. Well, I think what I really like about this as well is, is what Terence is talking is uh, it's all very uh, – uh, for someone that's not a technology expert, well, what I like what Terence is saying, it's all very practical in terms of it's in language I understand. So yeah. please keep this up, Terence, because I'm, I'm following this all so far. So <laughs> we're going to come back uh, with more with uh, Terence Kem, uh, Arthur News. You're listening to a live 90.5 with Miriam Paul. Paul, now that we've gone through everything to do with passwords, how are you feeling about the strength of your passwords? Yeah, I think we should move on from that subject. (laughs) (laughs) Probably like anybody, there's work to be done. (laughs) And I think whatever I do, it's not going to be good enough, is it? And and you know what, it's got, I mean, it is what it is at this point. My husband hates it when I say that, but it is what it is, right? Mm. Passwords are just so easy to break into. And Terrence, you've said that to us. It's so easy to get to the bottom of a password. And in fact, I had to come up, you know, because companies, Terrence, you'll know this, companies say to you you've got to change your password every three months yeah and then they say to you it's got to be again 12 characters long uppercase lowercase bloody blah bloody blah, blah, blah. Mm. and you just get confused because how mm. do you come up with that password so and i don't have the details that's terrible of me but my husband sent me a site and it's got random words to come mm. up with and that can be your password and when i was looking at these words i was thinking to myself i'm never going to remember this but you do because it's something like let's just look around in the studio it could be TV, television, blue light, air conditioner. And then you just put your your, your special characters into that. Now, mm. randomly, that makes no sense. No one's going to get to that, right? Mm. You would assume no one's going to get to that. But you do start to remember it mm. because the more you type it in, you go TV, blue light, air conditioner. Boom. And you're done. And you remember it for your three months. Is mm. that some of your recommendations too? Um for let's say for website um it's better not even to use words because you know what um hackers um has what they call a dictionary so in, in so they can guess lots of passwords so they run through every word in dictionary and then and then change some a little bit the difference put some characters put some things a is the at signal some, is something the one like that. signal or the yeah. what do you call it the exclamation mark i mean i think we all know that yeah. too yeah so so hackers has got this uh, dictionary and they run through every word in a dictionary to guess and remember they can guess 300 billion yeah. combinations oh, per yeah. second mm, so that's way more than the number of wo- words in the English language mm. so the, the most secure password is you know when you want to be really secure you have to use a machine to fight against machines so you need a, a password manager that can generate it's like LastPass yeah LastPass complete random gibberish 
as your password. That is mm. impossible. And it's to difficult remember. because you know when you're in a business organisation, yeah. you're in a big corporate organisation. Mm. They don't you you can't get into LastPass to remember that password. And yeah. I know because when I look at some of the passwords that it generates for me, it's ridiculous. It's like eight hash, capital K, small yeah. V. Small T, you know, I mean, I can go on, but you get the idea. So when you're in a business organization and they say you've got to change your password every three months, if you're going to go with a LastPass solution, Mm. (laughs) guess what you're going to do? You're going to write it down. It's going to go underneath your keyboard Mm. or it's going to be a post-it note on (laughs) on your computer screen. And so, you've lost all that security anyway. Yeah. So last, um, YubiKey has got a really cool feature. Um, what it does is um, you can embed your password you know, in the YubiKey. And when you insert the YubiKey as a USB stick, it will function like a keyboard and then push through the password you know, as if you type it manually. Oh, and that's a, uh, the login screen. Yeah, yeah, the login oh, screen. Geez, okay. So, so YubiKey. So that's really... So which is ideal. You can give a 30-character complete random gibberish as a password and no worries you just put your yubikey yubikey will function like a keyboard and push through through the, the password through yeah. the login screen and Julian if you're listening to this I would like that yubikey yeah. <laughs> <Hey, sir. laughs> uh, so I think I mean Paul what do you think recovered passwords you're on top of that uh, now yes I think that uh, I'm well and truly over passwords now <laughs> and, um, I like the uh, I'll let the additional um, factors that come in to help provide that additional level of security or two levels of security, as Terence has talked about. So I have to ask you a question now because you've mm. got kids too and they're yes. on the computer. Yes. How often are they downloading absolute nonsense on your computer mm. and you get on your computer and you go, what on earth have you downloaded? Yeah. Oh, will the computer tell me to do that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely right. And, th- and there's also that bit about, um, you know, can I, can I purchase something as well? And like, you know, what are they purchasing? Yeah, the- and you look at the Chrome bar and all of a sudden there's all these add-ons on the Chrome bar yeah. and you're going, what on earth are all these add-ons? Oh, well, when I wanted to download my game, it said I had to download this Chrome bar. Mm. So I think let's have a discussion about the kind of software that we are downloading because now that we've protected our computer and we've kind of protected all our online information in terms of entering into the computer so now we're not Mm. getting people entering into the computer how do we stop them from slipping through the back door so to speak at this point absolutely yeah and look i think uh, that's um certainly something we'd like to um hear about from you so um the 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 number one rule when it comes to downloading software um is don't download and install any software that you're not looking for in the first place Right. Okay, well, I think on that point, let's come back to that. That's, that's right, because that yeah. could be a whole subject. Is not all right. You're listening to a live 90.5 with Mia and Paul with our guest today, Terence Camp. That was Queen Bohemian Rhapsody, and uh, as I said earlier, compliments. Are I'm laughing, and I apologise for laughing, but I did stitch Paul up there. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was three minutes to go on that song. <laughs> I walk out the studio, and all of a sudden. I hear Mia. As I was saying, I want to have a big shout out to our three young gentlemen, the guests from Yearfield High School. They have selected the music for today's shows. And, and they were singing that in the back room there as well. Yeah, like did you hear it? Should get them up here and they can do a little choir for us. Right. So when we left off, we were talking a little bit about what kids download and, you know, the absolute nonsense that you find on your computer. And, and I mean, I blame children, but it's probably not just children. I know that sometimes I sometimes fall foul to downloading the wrong things because I'm not paying attention, so I don't realise something else has popped up. And Terence, you said don't download what you weren't looking for. 
Yes, don't download things that you're not looking for in the first place. Um, I mean, for example, you could be you know surfing a website and something pops up, say your computer is in danger. You need to download this software. Uh, one of my colleagues um, got uh, listened to it and installed malware into her computer. Uh, sometimes you may go to a website and say, oh, um, to watch this video, you need to download this X Y Z video player. You know, it's actually a bit. They're, they're trying to trick you into downloading a malware into your computer. You know. Because they just try to be. But how do you know, Terence? Because I know I've seen in the past, and and I suppose my protection is my husband because mm. he has all these. You know, he's an IT geek, and I say geek with most affection. You I say that geeks. very affectionately. I, I do. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an IT geek, so he's got all these protections and, and what mm. have you. But before that, I didn't have any of that, and I know I would be downloading something, mm. and I would type in, I don't know, kitty cats playing with yarn. Dot com, whatever. I'm trying <laughs> no. to think of something that I would download. Um, and a screen would pop up and say, download now, mm. yes or no. And I'd go, yes, because it would never occur to me mm. that somebody has bypassed the actual screen and is sending me something else. How do I identify what I'm downloading? And Paul, you're nodding your head here as if you always download kittycat.com. Um, no, I wasn't, th- I wasn't thinking <laughs> of that actually, but I'll listen to Terence and I'll add for after that. <laughs> I mean, for, for me, for starters, um, I would be really, really very reluctant to download anything, you know. Um, a screen pops up, download this software. Most of my, most of the time I say, no, no, mm. no, mm. never. Mm. Um, only the time when I download software is when I, I need, I know I need to use, for example, when I buy a new computer, I would install Microsoft Office. Mm. I go straight to Microsoft Office, I make sure that I'm in Microsoft.com mm-hmm. and download the software from Microsoft. And then when I download the program onto my computer, let's say a Windows computer, uh, as my book described, you can actually check the digital signature of the software itself. Wow. So, so there's a there's, you can check digital signature to prove, it, uh, basically a digital signature um, cryptographically proves two things. It proves that number one, the software is indeed from Microsoft, and number two, it has not been tampered with. And how do I know what the digital signature is though? Um, how do I see that? So from for Windows, um, you can right click properties, and then there's a tab called digital digital signature, uh-huh. and you, there's a button called more details, and click on it. And you'll have a screen that says, you know, um, this digital signature is okay. Um, it's signed by Microsoft Corporation and this, this sort of information. So so it proves that it's from Microsoft and it has not been tampered with. And when you double click the, the software, that the, the program on Windows, you know, um, Microsoft will come up with a prompt and says, okay, this is from this publisher. Do you trust the publisher? And the publisher is Microsoft Corporation. Mm-hmm. So it's usually blue in color. Now, if the software has been tampered with, you see a red screen, screen will be red and it says unknown publisher, you know. Wow. And and most of the time, uh, antivirus software will probably block it from running. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft Smart Screen will not let it run. Um, but if you're persistent enough, you click yes, 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 you, you can actually run it, you know, you can override it. It's, uh, that, that's something which uh, I hadn't come across before and uh, mm. that's, a, that's a fantastic tip, I think, to do that. And I, mean, mm. and I, I was just thinking actually, um, rather than you know, kitty cats uh, playing uh, with, um, with war.com, um, <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about, uh, in some ways, I feel fortunate that um, you know, some of the corporates that I've worked for over the years were, mm. um, you know, have a great deal of caution on this subject. And, and I've always got this instinct to to look for things online that that just don't look right. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the last corporates I worked for actually used to play tricks as a test on people mm-hmm. as well in terms of they'd run uh, things in the background to try and mm-hmm. see who would click on a link. Which and really in fact, when 
when I, as you know, I, I'm currently contracting out to a, a large organisation mm. at the moment, and part of the induction process was that fishing. Yeah, you know, fishing. It's, it's difficult because you know these are large corporates we're talking about, and I know small business owners who won't invest in a good antivirus because they don't mm. want to spend the money, and it's not mm. that expensive. Yeah. Mm. And what's the cost? I mean, very quickly, what is the cost, Terence? If somebody gets into my computer, and we'll talk a little bit about what we say, you know, the point that we were getting to here about downloading malicious software, but the cost of someone hacking into my system mm-hmm. and taking control of my system versus the cost of virus, antivirus. Mm-hmm. What, what is the difference? What's the difference? Well, for starters, uh, Windows Defender, the default antivirus software that comes with Windows, is free. And it's very good. So the cost has actually gone down to zero. Um, so so what, what can happen to you when, when you just click on the links? Um, I mean, uh, one of the biggest threats is ransomware, where, where hackers will where hackers will encrypt the important documents in your computer and demand a ransom to, to decrypt, um, to, to release your files. Um, that, that ransomware, I think, will cost you at least a few thousand dollars. Not the more ransom. than the free, right? Yeah. That's that's um that's that's the you know one possibility. Um hackers might, you know, um hijack computers into part of a bigger botnet to to, to attack out of website. That's what happened. Um or worse still they can, you know, th- this what's most frightening is they might get into your system and hide there and wait and watch your every move and strike you at the most inappropriate time. And, and, you know, and when they can, I mean, people have lost the entire business because of that. Um, so, so they actually sit there and watch and, you know, collect information about you and, you know, you don't know about it. And when the right time comes to strike, they'll strike really hard and you might, might not be able to recover. And this is from me downloading something mm-hmm. that I shouldn't have downloaded to yeah. start off with. So it's essentially downloading, what, permissions for them to take over my computer when I'm not watching? Yeah. Um, da- downloading software is one way for them to ad- come in, you know. So, so, so basi- you do- sorry, you're downloading their software on yes, your computer? Yes, that's right. So, so they, they, they try and trick you into downloading software into your computer. That's, that's one way f- for them to get in. Um, another way for hackers to get in is, you know, you know, as you know, every software has got security holes. Um, web browser, they always find security holes. Um, operating system will f- always have security holes. And hackers, you know, might exploit security holes on your web browser, on your operating system, and get in. And depending on the type of security holes, um, your antivirus software might not be able to stop it. Um, for example, you know, if there is a security hole in the kernel of the operating system, in the kernel of the operating system, it's like the god mode, you know, of the computer. You know, it can seize everything, can control everything. And if there's a weakness in the kernel of the operating system, the hackers get in and run his code in the kernel of the operating system. So the hackers runs his code in god mode. So which means that your antivirus software will not be able to stop it stop the hacker doesn't even know it's in there yes won't even know it's there in fact um security researchers have found security holes in the antivirus software itself and they've been exploiting it I'm so sorry, say that again so so antivirus software right yeah. they, they by its nature they have to run really close to the operating system yeah. and antivirus software are not well are not well written you know i'm talking about big brand names <laughs> 
and they have security holes on the antivirus software that allows hackers to exploit. So, for example, antivirus software by its very nature has to scan for every file that comes into a computer, PDF file, executable file, yeah. all this. Some hackers, they're smart, they, they booby trap the PDF file for the, for the antivirus software to scan and they crashed the antivirus software and got in. Wow. So, Holy so which is, um, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So let me ask you a question before we go to the next mm. break. We talk about downloading uh, mm. software onto our computer, but the reality is mm. we shouldn't be downloading very much these days anyway yeah. because everything is cloud-driven, right? Yes. So when we are downloading anything, should we be asking ourselves the question, is it necessary to have this on my hard drive or is there actually a cloud-based option that I can be using to avoid people getting access into your computer? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I, 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 for me, by default, is I always don't want to download software. And if I download software, I really have to do the research and make sure that, you know, that the person who wrote that software or the company who wrote the software is trustworthy. So I can trust Microsoft, I can trust Google, I can trust Apple, you know. But, but for average Joe, you know, yeah. for, for someone like Paul and I, mm. we probably, the rule of thumb should probably be don't download anything because if mm -hmm. you're not driving in the cloud, well, mm. driving, if you're not flying, if you're not working in the cloud, whatever <laughs> the statement is, um, then perhaps you should be looking at something else to be working with because we're not educated enough to, mm. when I say educated, Paul, I say it with all due respect for me too, but we don't know enough yep. to do any of the research that you just said. In fact, if mm. I didn't have my husband who was mm. a Saiti guru, mm. I probably would have fallen foul, and we'll talk about it if we've got time at the end of the show because I have mm. already fallen foul, mm. um, to attacks on a constant basis because just mm. not educated enough. Yeah, mm. just right. So um, very often, um, you know, if you say let's say that software is mentioned in in a, in a well reputable you know, say computer magazine, or you know mentioned in a government website, and you know you you would have a good feeling that okay, and you see and you see the the, the group of people who wrote that software, they are, they are they're on TV and all this, and you say yeah, probably we can trust trust them, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's still similar software that you've no idea who wrote it, um, you know. That, that you just have to be really suspicious. Um, so the, the less sure you are, um, it's better to not just to install. Don't do it at yeah. All. Yeah. Having said that, downloading software, um, certain platforms are good. Like for example, in Apple, you know, iPhones and iOS, um, Apple has done the, the hard work of you know, vetting every single app in the in the App Store. So they, they, they actually go through. So so let's say if I want to write a software for the iPhone, for the App Store, I need to you know, prove my identity. The Apple got to you know know who I am, and you know I got to pay ninety nine dollars through my credit card to, to qualify for the developer program, and all this. And when I submit my program, I have to you know digital sign it to prove to make sure that it's not been tampered with. It's originally from me. And when we reach Apple, Apple through the App Store would then you know vet through and run through and make sure that it's, it's all you know legitimate and is, there's no malicious code inside. And only when Apple is satisfied, then they'll release the software on App Store. And so so Apple has done a lot of work. And the good thing about uh, the iPhones and iOS is you can 
only install software from the App Store and nowhere else. Mm-hmm. And App Store is, you know, every app in the App Store is being, you know, scrutinized mm-hmm. by Apple. Well, it's good to know there are some, uh, yeah. <laughs> some safe houses good out people there. there. Yeah. yeah. So, so you can be more relaxed about, mm-hmm. um, you know, when it comes to downloading from I, the App Store. And the amount, the amount of times I felt quite scared today, I'm, very, I'm delighted to hear that, Terrence. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, you're listening to a live 90.5 with me and Paul and our address today, Terrence Cam. We'll be back in a short while. That was a red hot chili peppers, by the way. Paul, you finally got some red hot chili peppers in. Oh, fantastic! It, it just last. took us, to, you know, three seventeen-year-olds yeah, to get it there. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so grateful. Uh, me, if you don't mind, I think um, I think in this next segment, I'd like to hear. In terms of you mentioned earlier on, there's a real life example that you're facing at the moment. Yeah. So I think I'd like to hear you and uh, Terence discuss if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I have obviously my own website, and um, it is well protected. My husband has got external security and firewalls that he's got in it and a couple of weeks ago he came upstairs and he said to me you really want to come see this and I went well what are you talking about he says you've got to come down and see this Mm. went downstairs he had logged in and um, we were under attack and when I say we were under attack it was somebody was trying to log in to the login page of my website to and this is what I was trying to understand to and I'll give the the overall synopsis of what's going on and then I think Terence you can just break it down for us because I understand possibly 90% but it probably took you know three days 75 cups of coffee and a couple of yelling arguments saying to my husband I don't understand what you're talking about Um, just to get to the bottom of it but what was happening is that we were under attack by four different IP addresses Mm -hmm. every five minutes we're in two weeks now and my husband's still letting it go he's kind of monitoring to see and what he says to me is People create bot networks, bot mm. networks. Mm-hmm. And these are little networks they're going to hide out in my website when, if they ever get in, unlikely they're going to get in. Mm-hmm. They're going to hide in my website. Mm-hmm. And when they want to perform an attack mm-hmm. on a big organization, so for example, I don't know, let's say Telstra, just for example, um, they're then going mm-hmm. to get all of these little websites like mm-hmm. mine that they've got and they're going to start I don't know spamming it with information mm-hmm. until all of a sudden the website and Paul can you see I'm very vague with what I'm saying here because oh you sound very detailed very detailed to me you, you, you lost me I'm, I'm still I'm still on the basis that you said your husband came down or got you to come downstairs was that to his minus two little basement yeah. in his little den <laughs> to the dungeon <laughs> to the doghouse um, and what they do is then it's just that they basically prepare their army mm-hmm. and Everyone attacks, like I said, let's say Telstra, for example, Mm -hmm. until the Telstra network goes down, Mm -hmm. at which point they then, I believe, and I could be uh, wrong here, Mm -hmm. have got control over that website or they've got control there. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a ransomware. We will release it back to you Mm -hmm. for the cost of $400 billion and your firstborn child. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was something that... I mean, I would never have thought about that. And, I mean, Paul, you wouldn't even know if your website has been taken over because it's not that, you know, as Julian was explaining to me, it's not going to be malicious for me because it's a small little website. It's Mm. brand new, probably not going to get anything from me. Mm. Um, But collectively, with hundreds and thousands across the world, it becomes a powerful entity. Mm. So can you just explain to Mm. us how what's happening to me and you know my husband is just he's so excited he keeps on watching these people (laughs) Um, how this whole process works because apparently for me the layman who knows nothing this is an occurrence that's actually happening all the time and more people have been infiltrated than actually know they've been infiltrated so um, what's happening is from what I can see is um, 
uh, called a distributed denial of service attack. So DDoS. 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 I see. Yeah. Well, listen, Mia. So basically, with um, DDoS, is um, hackers will try and flood a website, a web server, you know, with lots and lots of traffic and overwhelm the website. So basically, creates a massive traffic jam of internet traffic to the point where the the, the legitimate users cannot visit the website. So one of the things they do is um, we mentioned about botnets. So what happens is um, hackers uh, what they do is they they hijack lots and lots of computers. Um, for from ordinary people's computer, you know, your computer, mine computer, home users' computer, less so corporate computers because they have their IT team to to, mm. to secure everything. Mm. But usually, it's the home user. So, so the home, so I said, you don't install software that you don't come looking for. So maybe the, the home user might install a, a malicious software. So instead of uh, of, of of you know ransomware, the the the, 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 the home users' computer, it. It causes the home user's computer join a botnet, become part of a botnet. So what happened is, so let's say a hacker has hijacked hundreds of thousands of home users' computers, or even millions, all over the world. And so, the, and what happened? When you say hijacked, so let's just understand this because, as I said, this took me a lot. It took me a while to understand because mm. it's so over my head. So when you say hijack, mm. hundreds and thousands, perhaps millions of computers. Mm. They are just hiding out mm. somewhere on my computer. Yes. At which point, just like when they take a car, they're yeah. going to turn my computer on mm. and to tell my computer what to do because they have 100% access to my computer yes. and to all my details. Now, it's not necessary that they're going to be there and do anything malicious at that point. Yeah. It's building up that army so yes. that when they do this DDoS, DDoS attack, attack they have got this army ready to go and yes. it's for the sole purpose of this big attack because the yeah. payout on that attack mm. is large. That's right. So so, so they're just hiding in your computers and waiting from the hackers to give the command from, from their command and control center. So this DDoS attack, right, um, in the hacker underground, it, the hackers provide that as a code service, unquote. So DDoS attack is um, is being done, you know, to for the highest bidder. So it could be a competitor, it could be someone who don't like you or whatever. They go to this hacker underground and say, I want to attack this website, I want to attack this organization. And they pay the hackers some so money. So is this similar to what happened with the census? Uh, census? The e- census, when the whole census went down. Now, I do appreciate the fact that we yeah. had hundreds and thousands and well, millions of people trying to jump on at the mm. same time. But there was that discussion that yeah. there was an attack because there was the geolocation hadn't mm. been set correctly, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So you had a whole bot network jumping yeah. on at the same time. Yeah. Is uh, that something similar to what you're talking similar, about? Similar, um, because now, because census, what happened with the census, there's lots and lots of um, legitimate users trying to submit their census data at the same time. And I think, I can't so at, at the same time, there could be People who, who don't like the, the, the idea of census collecting information of us, from us, um, they might, you know, pay some money to the you know, um, to this hacker underground and say, let's attack the census website. So this this thing is a bit murky, you know, uh, what happened then. Um, we don't exactly know wh- what happened. But it's the concept, right? Concept, it's the concept yeah. of mm. we're flooding your site yes, right. so that a legitimate user, because that's what happened, right? Yeah. How long was mm. the census down for? It was down for a day or so, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was down for, wasn't it down for several days? Yeah, so I think it was, it was like down for several days, but that's exactly what it was. Mm. It was mm. flooded, flooded to mm. the point that they lost control of what they could do and yeah. then it was building it back up again. So, yeah. so this is what this bot network is doing, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly the same. So here's my question. I know I'm under attack. Mm-hmm. I know my husband's playing a game with mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I don't know how long he's going to play this game with them. Um, but, you know, sorry, I'm busy. I'm, one of the points I want to point out now is that since my website's been under attack mm-hmm. and I've got two-point authentication and mm-hmm. YubiKeys, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. but interestingly enough, since my website has been under attack, mm-hmm. Any account, and I don't know how they do that, that I have created with that email address associated with my website seems to be under attack too. It's almost as if they're trying to infiltrate every part of my life. And I know because I'm getting emails saying, you know, so you, have oh. you logged in in Poland? No, I'm sitting oh, okay. in a live 90.5 studio. I've logged in nowhere. Mm-hmm. But I've never had that before. And what I'm actually doing now is I'm actually shutting down accounts because mm-hmm. I'm just thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. It mm-hmm. seems that all of a sudden mm-hmm. everything is being attacked. Yeah. So we're shutting, I'm shutting everything down, created a new email address mm. that's completely random and mm. I'm reopening accounts under this mm. random email address. Yeah. Is that something they do too? Uh, yeah. So what might possibly happen in your case is um, the hackers might um, got into your website and they're checking through, so let's say you use WordPress, for example. Mm. They so haven't they, got into my website, yeah. just want so, to point that out. <laughs> yeah. So for example, so the, the hacker might look through all the accounts and say, okay, uh, Mia at gmail.com. So the hackers might say, okay, let's try and hack the Mia's um, Gmail account. So so what happens is the hackers might, you know, try to um, brute force the password, just try all the combinations and all this. And Google is um, very um, good at this. Um, let's say if somebody's trying to, to guess your password, your Gmail, account password Google would tell you or stop that's it. exactly yes. what's happening so I'm yeah. getting you know Gmail mm. your, someone tried to log in with yes. your account on this date then someone. I'm getting like Uber someone tried to log into your account on this date yeah. uh, there's a third one I can't think of it mm. it just seems that there seems to be mm. a lot of things happening with that email address yeah. so I'm that's actually right. closing down all these accounts yeah. creating a completely random email address and I'm reopening accounts with this random email address so yeah. you know Paul for someone like your your mm. email address you don't know if this is happening to you mm. but how do you know so I know that I'm under attack mm-hmm. I know my husband's playing this game but let's say for example Paul mm. he doesn't have the same level of protection that I have mm. how does Paul know mm. that his website is not has not been there's like a sneaky little bot living in there okay um so let's say for, for WordPress, so for WordPress is a good example because a lot of people use WordPress. How would you know? Um, I mean, the very important thing is to make sure that you update your WordPress. The WordPress is always, you know, new versions. You know, the latest version is now 5.1. Um, you know, because- Sorry, Terrence, I think we're just going to cut you off quickly because this is going to take a while. I think yeah. uh, let's quickly go to a quick break. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's come back and, and then I let's I definitely want to really- hear about this because Terrence is going to an area I'm thinking, don't understand this, so yeah. I need to know. And I think a lot of people want to know, so I don't want to glance over it. Yeah. I want to really just get into some detail. No, that'll be good. You're listening to a live 90.5 with Mia and Paul and back soon with our guest Terence. You're listening to the Power Up Show with uh, Mia and Paul on a Tuesday lunchtime and our guest today, Terence Cam. Now, Terence, before we broke there, we were talking a little about WordPress and yes. uh, uh, and I think probably it's a whole layer of terminology you need to educate me on. So uh, if you can just tell us, please, how, yeah, how and, important and it is. And how to find out if our website has been mm-hmm. um, infiltrated. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, okay for for those who don't know, WordPress is basically a blogging software that they install on a web server. So what happened is um, usually um, hackers attack the WordPress on your website. Um, not so much to attack you, the website owner, but to ap- attack the webs your website visitor. So one thing hackers like to do, they will find a way to log, log in to, to guess the password of your WordPress account on your website. Or, and that's or, what we're going through at the moment, yeah, is that right. guessing game, yeah. So they're trying to guess the password and they're trying to log into your WordPress. So once they have control of your WordPress on your website, 
they would then start to install malicious code that would in order to attack your website visitor. It's not, not so much to attack you, but to attack your website visitor. So um, they can install malicious, malicious code, for example, to, to trick your, your visitors to download a malware, or they may install malicious code to, to mine Bitcoin on your users' computers, mm-hmm. or those sort of things. So um, this is... Um, so which is which is um which is not good for your visitors mm-hmm. um you and you know about it you know why because google would then you get a, a notification from google the search engine say your website is you know um is um is can harm your your computer so let's say your your, your visitors search for your website on google search and google will have this warning say this website might harm your your computer on even even or, or even on the web browser itself. So let's say somebody wants to go to your website, type in your website address, and the web browser said this computer, um, uh, this website might. Yeah, hide. I've seen those notes before where it yeah. says this is not safe. We might yeah. have an issue. Whatever that's the right. case is, yeah. So that that's that's the thing when when so you get feedback straight away from Google, from your, your mm-hmm. visitors, from from your friends. So your website's been hacked, you know. Uh, so that's that's the thing. So to how do we recover from being hacked? Um, so, sorry, let me just take that back. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm going to know mm-hmm. that you're in my website mm-hmm. or someone's going to say to me, you know, like, hey, Paul, I try to get into your website and mm-hmm. there was a big red flashy big cross saying, no, no mm-hmm. death to those who enter type thing. <laughs> yeah. um, then how can you build a bot network okay. if I'm going to know that, for yes. example, I'm going to phone Paul and go, there's something up and Paul goes, uh-oh, yeah. and he goes in and he gets it fixed yeah. up. How do I know? How do you build this bot network? Yeah. So usually when, when hackers build a botnet, they, they, don't, they don't use website to attack another another uh, organization. They, they don't, usually they, they rather hijack home computers rather than hijack a website or web service. I mean, they they can, but most of the time it's you know home computers. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's to differentiate between so, yeah. it's the home computer versus my website. Yeah. Or, um, or I'm going to go visit Paul's website. I'm mm-hmm. going to leave a, a comment or or Paul's had a mm-hmm. you know um, download. You click here to download the mm-hmm. free generational code. Unlocking the generation code. I'm going. Yeah, I definitely want mm-hmm. that. I click on that, um, get the information, and it's at that point mm. that within that PDF document, perhaps mm. malicious code has been installed there. I download that mm. PDF because I need that PDF. Mm. And by downloading it mm. accident- accidentally, I suppose, mm. I have now installed their malicious software onto my yeah. home computer or my work computer, wherever yeah. it is. That's right. So so um, one, one way of hackers, they, they, they infiltrate the computers, they, they, infi- they, they booby trap a PDF file. And most people say use Adobe Reader to, to, to open a PDF file. And let's say there is a security hole in the Adobe Reader. So when you open the PDF file, says, um, there's, um, the basically when you open the PDF file, the PDF file is booby-trapped. So the end, end result is the hacker's malicious software code gets run on your computers through the PDF Reader. And at that point, your antivirus software might be able to catch it. They said, oh, your, your Adobe reader is behaving weirdly. You know, they might be able to put a stop. But what's scary is what the, the antivirus software might not be able to stop is, let's say there is a security hole in the kernel of the operating system. So now the hacker's code runs, as, uh, uh, runs in your PDF reader, for example. And this code will then exploit the security hole on the kernel of the operating system. Now the hackers have elevated the privilege. 
you know, from, from a PDF reader all the way to the kernel of the operating system. And once the, the, the hackers run his code on uh, at a kernel of the operating system, that's when it's game over because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. God mode. And the kernel of the operating system controls and see everything. So, so the interesting thing that you're saying here mm-hmm. is that in our website, we're going to know that the website's been infiltrated, mm-hmm. at which yes. point we're going to jump in and we're going to sort it out. Yeah. At that point, I'm probably going to invest in speaking to someone like you, a mm-hmm. cybersecurity expert or guru, yes. to stop that from happening again because yes. I don't want to have to pay ransomware or whatever yeah. the case mm-hmm. is. So I'm getting that sorted out. In the meantime, the residual effect of that is that it's like the common cold now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a virus, right? There you go. Just put two and two together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a virus because now it's just being spread through mm-hmm. and it's the residual impact mm-hmm. of hitting one website. Mm-hmm. It's the residual impact of what where we're at and, and where we're across from there. Yeah. yeah? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Look, I think uh, we've, we've slowly ran out of time here, unfortunately, Terence. We'd like to uh, come back in a moment, just have some final few comments from you and uh, any sort of like great tips you've got to share with your listeners. You're listening to Power Up with Miriam Paul on Live 90.5, and today our guest is Terence Cam. And that was um, a remake of Toto's Africa. Um, again, those gorgeous young gentlemen picked that for us with Paul's permission, so you know where to find him. <laughs> <laughs> And, so, yeah, so we want to say a big shout-out to Terence. Yeah, thank you, Terence, and thank you very much. I think what I really liked about what you was able to share with us today is that um, for someone that's uh, by no means an, an expert in that area, I just like the way that you actually break it down and actually uh, – the, the language you talk is the language of the people um, without uh, <laughs> using the, people. <laughs> <laughs> without using the you know, terminology I don't understand. And, and I've, I found it very educational. So thank you very much for coming today. And then Mia's decided to play a tune. Well, you your, know who um, we got in the studio, don't the, you? So we have Julian Ann now with us in the studio from Pick and Mix and the usual traditional, what's become now traditional tune that she plays uh, yes. for the girls on a uh, Tuesday lunchtime. Yeah. 